When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 283 of the podcast. It is Swooping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, August 20th. 2020 people i hope everyone is having a great week i certainly hope everyone is having a better week than big 10 uh commissioner kevin warren because it was another surreal week in college football great show today we are going to open with college football i am going to explain to you why on one hand I have actually never been more confident that we are going to get college football than I have been the last day or so. And when I say college football, I mean the SEC, I mean the Big 12, I mean the ACC, I mean the AAC, the, all these conferences that are moving forward. I will also then get into the opposite spectrum, which is the grease fire that is the Big Ten right now. The Big Ten is just an absolute mess as Kevin Warren, the commissioner, the presidents have all screwed this up. And I'll say this, I don't want to blame Kevin Warren completely. He obviously answers to the school presidents. But at the same time, this is what has happened since the last time I recorded You had James Franklin coming out very publicly and criticizing the league for their lack of explanation in canceling the season. You have the parents outside Big Ten headquarters protesting, frustrated about what is going on. That protest will take place Thursday. And then Kevin Ward releases a statement on, I guess it was what, late Wednesday night, in which he didn't really say anything and didn't really explain anything. And now he's got even more explaining to do. So a complete mess in the Big Ten. Uh, But I think we'll hit on everything from the football perspective. And then, how about this? Okay, listen, people criticize Torres all the time, right? They criticize him because of this, because of that, because he calls himself Torres, because he uses the third person, he calls himself AT. The one thing that you can say about Aaron Torres that you can't say about anybody else. How about this? Name me another podcast anywhere in America that has had two blue blood coaches on the show in back-to-back weeks. It doesn't exist. That podcast does not exist except for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, and here's why. Last week, we had Mick Cronin, head coach, UCLA on. We talked about a lot of different things. You guys liked that interview. Today, Archie Miller, head coach, University of Indiana, Indiana University, excuse me, I'm sorry. He joins the show, and I think it's, first of all, I think it's one of the best interviews I've ever done for the show 
because of a couple reasons. First of all, I do think that as I get on this show and I use my platform to say things such as the safest place a college athlete can be is on a college campus with the medical staff, I think when I say stuff like that, it's important for me not to just say it, but for you guys to hear from people who are actually living it every single day. And so because of that, Archie Miller will join the show and he will give you, as best I can tell, the most in-depth look that you will hear about any college basketball program and how they are handling this virus in this situation. He explains all the details of the testing, of the medical staff, of the fact that the way this, the kids are living in the dorms is different. The fact that he now doesn't bring his full coaching staff to practice because he's afraid, what if I get sick? I got to have somebody run practice the next day. So Archie Miller comes on. It's a really fun interview. I think you'll learn a lot about what's going on on these college campuses. And then we talk about other stuff. By the way, he's got a really good team next year. Uh, they should be an NCAA tournament team. This, this will be the best team that he has had since he has gotten to Indiana. We also talk about the process of potentially doing bubbles in college basketball. We have a FUD conversation about, remember last year when he was beefing with Joe Lenardi right before the NCAA tournament? We talk about that. I get him on the record talking about that. And finally, I thought he had some interesting comments about the possibility of Indiana and Kentucky resuming their rivalry here in the future. I know we got a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to this show. I know Kentucky, in a lot of ways, has moved on with the Champions Classic and the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, and in a lot of ways, Indiana has, too, with the ACC Big Ten Challenge, the Crossroads Classic, where they play Notre Dame, Purdue, or Butler. But Archie Miller was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think you guys will really enjoy that. And if you're somebody looking for Indiana, Kentucky in the future, uh, Archie Miller seems optimistic that it will happen. All right, enough blabbing for me. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you are indeed subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. The Podcast Addict app, if you have an Android, the Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are, in fact, subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure also to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. So many of you have done that in previous weeks, so thank you for your continued support. Uh, and if you're not following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. I do put up a lot of this show on YouTube as well. So go find me on YouTube at Aaron uh, Torres on YouTube. You'll find me there with my little avatar. Uh, and if you like this show, go ahead, subscribe there. I know a lot of you use YouTube more than you do uh, a regular, uh, more than you listen to the podcast you are on YouTube. So you can also find the show on YouTube. And with that said, let's get started. There is no more time to waste. And I want to get into what is going on in college football right now. And I do want to start with football for obvious reasons, right? It is the biggest story, I believe, in sports right now. Listen, the NBA bubble is great. We're all digging the bubble. We're all enjoying the bubble. But right now, this fight to play and save college football remains the biggest story. And as I said, this week, something happened that made me actually feel more confident than ever before that we may actually get football. And it's funny because some of you who are either new to the show or you're getting, you're getting caught up on old episodes, if you didn't hear me on Monday, I made the argument that there is some concern on my end about 
the public perception of it all, right, is the idea that every time there is a negative storyline surrounding this virus, specifically in the college community, that it will be used as proof that we should not play college football. We had some of that this week where Notre Dame, big outbreak. They actually have gone online only for two weeks at Notre Dame. Uh, They canceled a day of football practice to kind of get their guys regrouped. Same at University of North Carolina. They are going to online only after one disastrous week of having students on campus. They postponed sports for Wednesday. They'll resume on Thursday. Tulsa had to postpone practices because a couple players tested positive. And so it does feel like every time one of these stories comes up, it will be used as a negative against college football. At the same time, as I was thinking about it this week, there is something that has happened that I believe is giving me confidence that we're going to play. And to fully understand, I want you to go back to like two weeks ago. Remember two weeks ago when those rumors first started? This was before the Big Ten actually canceled their season, postponed according to Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren, by the way, does not like you saying that he canceled football season. He postponed it to the spring, which we're going to get into in a second, and it makes absolutely no sense. But remember when... Even before the cancellation happened, even before the postponement happened, there was this conversation about the Big Ten trying to strong arm the SEC and the other Power Fives into all pushing back into the spring, into all delaying the start of the season. And the SEC, to their credit, kind of held their ground. And behind the SEC, the Big 12 and ACC held their ground. And it's for all the reasons that we've talked about. Moving to the spring doesn't make sense. It probably will not happen. It will have a JV feel to it. But the SEC held strong, and I was thinking about the fact that the Big Ten tried to strong-arm the SEC because not only did the SEC say no, but now they're just, as I said a few episodes ago, now they're just taking Kevin Warren's face and shoving it in the sand. They're shoving him in a locker like a nerd because of what has happened the last few days. Obviously, one, there was the big uh, the SEC schedule release a few days ago, which got a lot of excitement. But then, two, something more important happened this week that for the first time, I'm starting to feel good that we're going to get college football. And that is very simply this. We have started to get some major announcements about fans in the stands at college football games. And so if you haven't been paying attention, this is what I could tell you. Texas A&M, the state of Texas wants to have 20% fans in the stands, which means Texas A&M will have 20% of fans in the stands. Alabama anticipating 20% fans in the stands. Tennessee, 25% of fans in the stands. Georgia, sometime somewhere between 20 and 25%. Auburn, 20%. Arkansas, I heard, is somewhere in the neighborhood of 20%. If you want to go to the ACC, Georgia Tech will be allowed to have fans in the stands. And so because of it, this is the first time that I actually feel like, okay, we're going to get football because the conversation is no longer can we play. It's can we play with the fans in the stands. And so what the SEC has just done is they have raised the bar. They have raised the bar by saying if something goes bad, the, the next step isn't to cancel. It isn't to postpone. We're going to start with if something bad happens, we just won't bring fans in the stands. And then if it gets really bad, then we will not only not have fans in the stands, but we won't play at all. And so to me, this was an incredibly positive sign this week that the SEC is moving forward. And I think it's because of something that the Big Ten does not have. 
That is continuity. That is unification. That is everybody working together to try to do something for the good of the conference and really the region as a whole. And I understand the South is different than the Midwest. It's governed different. There's people that are. But if you followed that Big Ten story, and I'm guessing all of you have because I've broken it down from every angle on this show, it just seemed like there weren't Everybody wasn't on the same page, right? You have these meetings and you find out almost immediately that some people are totally in favor of canceling the season. Nebraska and Iowa want to go full speed ahead and play. You got Ohio State starting to leak rumors that the, 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 the president did not vote on what you think she voted on and instead she wants to postpone the season. Don't start early September, maybe start mid-late September. That's what's going on in Big Ten countries. They can't even get the messaging right. They can't even get the message out to the public right. And then you have the ACC, or in the SEC, really the SEC, but some of the ACC states too. And what's really interesting about the SEC situation is that everyone appears to be on the same page. And I, it, it, frankly, it goes above Greg Sankey, but I give him so much credit because I think he has been a great messenger, and now certain people that are even above Greg Sankey seem to be on the same page. You look at the SEC. The governors are now signing off on this stuff. Understand, it's not the school president or the AD that decides if you can have fans in the stands, if you can have large gatherings. It's the governor. And so when the governor of Texas comes out and says, we want 20% capacity at our games, when the governor of Tennessee comes out and says, we want 20% capacity at our games, when the governor of Georgia supports Georgia having fans in the stands, Alabama the same, it shows that the messaging from the top of the local government on down is all in line. And so it makes it easier for a Big Ten, for a SEC president to say, okay, I don't have to worry Every time one of my players gets sick, and t for the millionth time, right? None of us want anyone to get sick. It is an inevitability. It is going to happen. But now, because you have the support of the local government, because you have support from the governor above you, you don't have to freak out every time somebody tests positive. You don't have to freak out if your campus has to go online for a week or two or 10 days or two months or the full, full, the full fall semester. You can move forward and say, we're still planning on playing football, and not only are we playing football, we're going to have fans in the stands. And so I give the SEC and that area so much credit because, again, I don't know how much all these people are working together, but the messaging seems to be on brand and on point which is the exact opposite of what is going on in the Big Ten right now. And so let's get into the Big Ten really quick. And as I mentioned, Archie Miller's coming up. By the way, this is going to be a shorter front end uh, of the show because I, I think I've covered this so, so, so much. The Archie Miller interview is about 35, 40 minutes. So I will not go crazy on the front end of this show. But when you look at the, what is happening in the Big Ten now, what is essentially happening is is everybody is coming to the same realization that I've been telling you about for 10 days. When, I, when, when the season was canceled back in early of last week, 10 days ago now, what did I tell you? I said, everybody I'm talking to, here is the frustration. The frustration is not that the season was canceled. The frustration is that the season was canceled ahead of schedule, there were other steps that could have been taken, and that the logic doesn't even make sense. I've been over this a million times, but it is worth repeating. It is very hard to say that you're going to justify 
canceling the season because of vague health concerns when you're planning on having 13 of your 14 campuses open. Now, I do know as of today, Michigan State has announced that they are closing their campus for the fall. Ironically, three days after fall payments were due. What a weird coincidence. But the fact that Michigan State is closing campus still doesn't change the fact that 12 of 14 campuses are open. It doesn't change the fact that, as I've said many times, if you're going to play a spring schedule, and oh my goodness, are we going to get into that spring schedule in a minute? Because you talk about something that doesn't make sense. That Big Ten spring schedule doesn't make sense. But you can't say it's about player safety if you're going to play eight games in the spring and then push for a fall season where you're going to have 12, 13, 14 games. You can't say it's about player safety when you're going to have 20-plus games in the calendar year of 2021. Finally, you know what the newest twist on this player safety nonsense is? Is that they're still allowing players to come into the facility to work out, to train, to lift, but not to practice. Tell me how that makes sense. Tell me how it makes sense, even in a socially distanced setting, small gathering, whatever it is, that you can have 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 50 football players, including strength and conditioning coaches, in a strength and conditioning weight room, but you can't have football. And again, maybe we can't have football. I don't want to get too excited about the SEC because practices are just starting and we're going to learn a lot here over the coming days. But I bring it up because... Don't tell me you can't have football when students are on campus, when you're going to play 20-plus games, and oh, by the way, now you're telling your players that they can come into the facility and work out. They just can't play games. I said it earlier today on a radio interview I did. Somebody asked me about that. I said, you know what that's like, what the Big Ten just did? First of all, it makes no sense, right? I think we all kind of get that. But secondly, what the Big Ten just essentially did was they were the parent that says, you have to eat your bro broccoli at breakfast, lunch, and dinner and then you get ice cream for dessert, and then you don't give them ice cream. That's what the Big Ten just did by basically saying that the, the players can work out, but they can't actually play games. It's unfair. It makes no sense. And apparently there's a lot of people that agree with me because, oh, by the way, James Franklin came out, the head coach of Penn State, and he is furious, and he said the exact same thing that I've been saying. Not that it's wrong to cancel the season, but that it made no sense and it certainly didn't make sense if you're not going to have a plan in place. And so here's what James Franklin said. I don't necessarily have an issue with the decision, but I have an issue with the process, and I've got an issue with the timing. It was challenging to keep getting up in front of my team and getting up in front of my parents and not having answers to those questions, to their questions. And that is what I have been saying for two weeks now. It didn't make sense. The timing didn't make sense. As I just referenced a minute ago, the messaging does not make sense. And the worst part about it is the people that are actually in these facilities, the people that are actually working with these kids, they had no say in this decision. And so that is what James Franklin is frustrated about. And I hope you stick around for the Archie Miller interview because he explains a lot of this stuff. He explains how safe it is. He explains what that staff is doing. And so what James Franklin's frustration is, is that you just made this decision without really thinking about it. One, you didn't even consult us who are in the facility and who are living this life every day. But two, on top of that, you didn't give us an explanation why. The explanation you gave us was completely bogus. And now I got I to gotta answer questions that I don't have the answer to. And so James Franklin is coming out and saying what I have been saying all along. 
and he confirms what I have been telling you all along and that none of this makes sense. As I said on the last episode, it is very clear that the conference presidents came to this decision without really thinking about it and figured they would just put the why out there after. We'll come to the decision and then we'll get to the why at a later time. And so people are frustrated, people are speaking out, and you know who else is pissed? How about the Big Ten player parents? Did you guys see this story? I tweeted about it on Tuesday morning. But Sean Wade, basically maybe the best defensive back in all of college football, plays at Ohio State, is a player who probably could have gone to the NFL draft last year, instead decides to return. By the way, if you remember, there was a controversial targeting penalty in the Fiesta Bowl when Ohio State played Clemson and Sean Wade was that player that got thrown out and a big reason he came back was because although he was good enough to be drafted probably very high he was wanted to end his career on kind of a better note right he wanted to end his career uh, better than getting ejected against Clemson and so he came back he gave up millions and the season got canceled why do I bring him up It's because his father tweeted out a picture on Tuesday morning. The kid is originally from Florida, and the father tweeted out a picture of a flight that he has booked to Chicago to the Big Ten headquarters, and he's going down to the Big Ten headquarters, and he's demanding answers, okay? He is frustrated, and now he is getting other parents involved. I saw a lot of the Iowa parents will be meeting him Thursday morning at the Big Ten offices looking for answers. I've seen other Ohio State parents are going to join him. I suspect other parents from other schools, and I'm telling you, man, this thing is not going to die down, and my understanding, we have some lawyers who listen to this show because some of you reached out to me. Now, my understanding is some of these parents are going to say of the the really successful players that they're going to potentially try to, I don't know if they'll sue, but the latest thing is that the players that could have gone pro are really frustrated because of a potential loss of earnings, right? Is the idea that they came back to improve their draft stock and now they're not going to have a chance while the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are playing. So I bring all this up to say it is a complete cluster. You got the parents mad. Coaches are now speaking out. The players are obviously pissed. And I don't know where Kevin Warren goes from here. Now, right before I started recording, Kevin Warren did release a statement. Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten. And I'll just, I'll just save you the 30 seconds of reading it. It basically says nothing, right? All it basically says is that, um, you know, we were just worried about this virus. It's new. We don't know enough about it. We don't know enough about the long-term effects. We don't know the side effects. And we did not feel comfortable putting players out there, which is fine. But it probably should not have taken you a week to put this out. And not only did it take a week, but he still doesn't answer the most basic question. Is there something that nobody knows about that we need to know about as to why you canceled the season? Listen, I'll say this. You can criticize the Pac-12 for a lot of different things, but the Pac-12, when they canceled their season, listen, this is what they just did. They took the medical report that came from their doctors and they just put it in a PDF and sent it out to the world. And you can still look at the Pac-12 medical document as to why they canceled the season. And they just said, look, We're not going to try to justify ourselves. This is the information we have. Do with it what you want. Where the Big Ten is kind of dancing around it, they're not really saying anything. Are they going to talk about it? Are they not going to talk about it? What do they talk about? How much do they share? And we have this situation where now Kevin Warren has to put out a statement, and I'm telling you, 
The statement wasn't good enough. It's not going to change people's opinions. It's not going to quiet these parents. It's not going to stop, as I said the other day, Thomas Mars, the big-time lawyer who is representing these Big Ten players from demanding answers, from demanding emails, from demanding phone calls, from demanding documents. And the Big Ten is going to have to explain themselves in some way, shape, or form, and it is going to get ugly. And I I know it sounds crazy because Kevin Warren literally said, we are moving forward with a fall season. I don't believe this is over. These parents are going to keep fighting. They're going to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. And remember, the SEC doesn't kick off until September 26th. So it's not as though, in theory, they can't reverse course on the fly because there's still five more weeks until actual football starts in the SEC. Now, the ACC starts two weeks earlier, but the SEC does not start until September 26th. And I'm just telling you, the statement that got put out today, it is not going to stop these parents. It is not going to calm them down. It is not going to keep them from being frustrated and being vocal and, and explaining what I have explained to you on this show for months, is that the safest place these kids can be is playing football with their schools in the facilities with these medical staffs. And so it is absolutely fascinating. I will be absolutely curious to see what these next two, three, four days are like because, again, these statements are not going to stop the train. The train is already off the tracks. You can't get it back on. What do they say? You can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle. Once you get players and parents and fans pissed, it's not going to stop, and so I'll be fascinated to see what happens. Finally, I would say on top of everything, you know what makes it worse on top of everything else? Is that there's now this report out that the Big Ten is starting to formulate its spring schedule. And listen, shout out to Nick Saban because he basically just said it yesterday. He goes, look, spring football is basically going to be JV football. None of the good players are going to play. There's not going to be the same enthusiasm. We don't want to play. We want to move forward in the fall. But the Big Ten is adamant they're playing in the spring. I still don't buy it. And they put out a report from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So I don't know. This isn't an official Big Ten statement. But essentially, not only do they want to play in the spring, the plan doesn't even make sense. So basically, if you haven't seen the plan, what you need to very simply know is that the plan would be to play eight conference games, You would start in early January, finish by the end of February, so that players still do have time to go through the NFL draft process, which in defense of the the Big Ten, at least that's a good thing, right? At least they're trying to help the kids who are draft eligible get in front of GMs, get in front of all that. But I don't think any of the good players are actually going to play. And what I do think will happen is if good players start playing and they improve their stock, they're going to pull out in the middle of the season to get ready for the NFL draft, right? If, if an Ohio statewide receiver that isn't on anybody's draft board right now has 10 catches in each of the first three games and all of a sudden he's getting first-round buzz, I think that kid's going to pull out and stop playing college football, kind of the Zion Williamson shutdown method, variety, whatever you want to call it. But I bring all this up because while it is nice of them to think about the players in this one case, what doesn't make sense is pretty much anything else. So first of all, as I said, as I've said for weeks, playing in January and February doesn't make sense. We don't believe it's going to, there's no reason to believe it's going to be safer. There's no reason I don't believe to, to think there's going to be a vaccine. I don't know. I don't think there's definitive proof enough to make us feel super confident that it's going to be safe to play in the spring. And then, oh, by the way, how about this? You're going to squeeze eight games into January and February. 
which means you'll have to bring the players back in December to start working out. Some of the teams are going to have to practice outside if you can uh, even play outside. And then on top of that, they want to play these games in NFL stadiums that are indoors. And that's the part that it's like, if, if, if the Big Ten said, we're going to push forward with eight conference games on campuses, no fans, I would still think it was stupid. But this is like stupid times 100. This is like stupid times infinity for many reasons. So here are the reasons that the Big Ten schedule, which again, to reiterate, eight conference games, they want to play them indoors in NFL stadiums. This is why it makes no sense. First of all, unfortunately, like I said, kids are going to have to come back to campus in December, going to have to miss Christmas with mom and dad. Um, But then two, you're going to play indoors where it's not safer. We've been saying all along the outdoor sports are safer than the indoor sports. You're going to be playing on neutral sites, which means that in a year where every program just lost $100 million and we're trying to limit travel, everybody's going to have to travel to play their games. So we get a, a, you know five games in five different sites across the Big Ten, right? So we get a game in Indianapolis. We get a game in Minneapolis. We get a game uh, in wherever you can find a dome stadium, Okay. We now have everybody traveling rather than just one team traveling, right? Like, like, like if we play on-campus games and Ohio State plays Michigan, only one team has to travel. But now we're going to play it in Indianapolis and both teams have to travel. So how does that make sense? And then, oh, by the way, on top of everything else, never forget, all these programs are about to lose 50, 75, $100 million. You think these NFL teams in a recession are going to let teams play for free in their stadiums? So how are we going to pay for these stadiums? You're going to have to rent them out. There's going to have to be, you know, all sorts of staff on site. It makes no sense. So shout out to the Big Ten because the Big Ten, say what you want about them. They have given me more content than I know what to do with over the last three or so weeks. Uh, But it makes no sense. Nothing they're doing makes sense. The stuff that they're doing that makes a little bit of sense is immediately offset by something dumb that they do. The explanations that they're giving are not good enough. The parents are frustrated. The players are frustrated. The spring season makes no sense. And I'm just telling you, this is a complete cluster. And I am convinced that they are not done with these parents. These parents are going to lawyer up. These parents are going to keep fighting. I'm not saying that we get football this fall. What I am saying is the parents are going to continue to do everything they can to fight, especially as the SEC, Big 12, and ACC move forward. All right. Like I said, I don't want to take up too much time on this front end here. We're about 25 minutes into the show uh, because Archie Miller's coming up. And obviously, look, I, uh, you know, I, I've talked a lot about a lot of different things in this, uh, you know, in these last couple weeks as it pertains to this pandemic, right? I have talked about how it, uh, how players are safer on campus, the protocols that all these schools and teams are taking. But it's one thing for me to talk about them, and it is quite another to actually hear from somebody who is living it every day. So Archie Miller, head coach, Indiana University, he will join me in a little bit to talk about everything going on in Indiana. And it's a little bit of a nerdy medical conversation to start, but it gets fun at the end because we do talk about uh, his team coming up, his team which has a chance to be really good. They returned Trace Jackson Davis, one of the best freshmen in college basketball last year, as well as Christian Lander, one of the top recruits in the country. Uh, we talk about potential bubbles in college basketball. And as I said, 
I asked him about Kentucky, Indiana, and he seems to think that in the future that game could happen. So really fun interview with Archie Miller. And I should mention, by the way, I'm going to do something a little bit different on Monday's show. I have a buddy. His name is John Frisella, good friend of mine. He is somebody that I really respect in terms of the fantasy football, fantasy sports uh, uh, realm. He could follow him on Twitter, Legend Sports 7. Um, but he is a guy that I really like. And I think that as we're kind of still in this holding pattern without football, I thought it'd be fun. I know a lot of you play fantasy. I'm not a huge fantasy guy, but I thought a lot of you play fantasy. Uh, and he is, I think, one of the best people covering fantasy right now. And so if you have any questions for him, feel free to send them to me. Like I said, make sure to follow him on Twitter at Legend Legend Sports 7 uh, but he's somebody that I really respect from the fantasy realm, and I figured a lot of you guys are guys and girls, no disrespect, you guys and girls are doing your drafts right now, and I just thought it'd be fun, it'd be different, um, and we just try it out. And if you don't like it, we don't do it again. But a lot of you do fantasy sports, drafts are coming up, I thought it'd be fun to have him a little bit different, but of course I'll still lead the show with whatever topics are coming up in the world of college football. Uh, but that's all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I want to remind you, if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are, in fact, subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, where you're listening, all that good stuff. Also, make sure to follow on social media, Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. And as I said, we uh, we got a we got a little YouTube channel going. So if you prefer to get all your content via YouTube, most of my segments go up there by the fall. By the time things kick off for football season, we will get all of my segments up there. Uh, and that's it. And that's it. So follow on YouTube. And that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I want to thank you. Thank you for listening. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Now. The head coach at Indiana University, another blue blood. Call him Blue Blood Torres because all I do is get blue blood coaches on here. Archie Miller, head coach, Indiana University. Here he is. All right, joining me via Zoom, uh, live from his office on campus, which in and of itself is an incredibly positive sign. Head coach, Indiana University, Archie Miller. My man, what's going on? Aaron, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you doing this. First of all, um, does it just feel good to just be in your chair in your office with your picture of Romeo Langford on draft night in the background? I mean, it's been such a surreal five, six months. Does it just feel good to be back to some semblance of normalcy? You know, it does. This is always a special time on college campuses. You know, you have move-in week sort of going on you start to feel that buzz of the fall you know um you know coming around your, your players are ready to get back uh, to campus and you start with all your meetings and whatnot but uh you know i think the thing that's uh, just a little bit unique here is the last six months have been uh, obviously very difficult for everybody um but it does feel good to be back i, I know that here at iu and what we've done the past eight to ten weeks with our players 
you know, we feel comfortable right now with where we're at. And, um, you know, the fact I'm in my office without my mask on, uh, give some semblance of uh, a little bit of regular activity here and a little excitement that, uh, you know, we're ready to kick off the fall. You know, I want to get into some other stuff and have a little fun, but I actually do want to ask you that, right? Because you have people in the media like myself saying the safest place these kids can be on a college is on a college campus with your guys' medical staff, whether it's a football team, a basketball team, an Olympics sports team. Uh, I know there's certain things you can and cannot talk about, but as best as you can, can you explain what you guys have been able to provide for your student athletes? Because uh, it's one thing for a guy like me to say it, uh, but it's another thing for a guy like yourself who's living it, who's who's there every day, who sees what your doctors, your medical staff uh, are doing. I would just be curious for whatever you can share to explain to the audience what is actually being done. Yeah, you know, I can't speak for every university or in every state. And I think that's the very unique thing when everyone starts to try to explain, you know, those circumstances for their athletes, because uh, everyone is different and every protocol is different. But, you know, from our standpoint, you know, our players came back in the middle of June and then some came back in the early part of July. Um, we were able to complete a six week and then in some cases, even an eight week period of time with our uh, players on campus. You know, Bloomington is a college town and uh, it's a little bit emptier, you know, in the summertime. So there isn't as much activity here. But, you know, what we found out is after going through some trial and error, um, number one, your players have to be really responsible. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It doesn't matter where you're at, um, what normal and what you want to achieve out of your time. Um, if they're going to give you some things that aren't as comfortable as they normally would be, the way you want to move around on a daily basis, um, the way you want to act, um, you know, it's just not going to work. And I think, you know, that's the first thing I think everyone has to figure out is how responsible your guys are going to be. But, you know, our guys were able to lift weights, you know, for, for, for a six-week period of time, eight-week period of time, four mornings a week in very small groups. Uh, they lifted weights with masks on. Our strength and conditioning staff was only allowed in, in the weight room facility. Um, and the limited numbers in the, in the areas that you're in, you know, I think is one of the things that's very, uh, you know, different. You know, I wasn't, um, unless I had to, to be able to pop in to see somebody or say hello, wasn't really involved uh, a whole lot in, in, in any of the sessions that they were involved with. So it's a little unique there. Um, you know, our gym, um, you know, our practice facility, you know, at the very beginning was run by our, our doctors and our, our head trainer, Tim Garl. And, you know, he basically ran the show. You enter a building, you get your temperature taken, uh, you answer questions before you enter the building via, you know, your cell phone and whatnot. If there's anything that screens early, you can't come in. And uh, once we got through that, they were able to set up some regularly scheduled times where they could come in and shoot the ball. Um, no coaches were in the gym. Uh, themselves could run some workouts or whatnot, but if there was a rebounder, they they wore masks and whatnot. We got through about four weeks there, or three and a half weeks, where I thought we got into a pretty good groove and rhythm. And then right around the middle of July, as you know, um, they granted access for coaches to be able to do more regularly scheduled stuff. And then as our coaches sort of got involved, um, then it became a little bit uh, unique. You know, do you want all your coaches on the floor at the same time, or do you want to keep a couple coaches? Um, in different sessions in case something happens to an athlete or a player in a workout. Not everybody gets wiped out. So you really are, are really honestly starting to preventative maintenance. Um, you're planning for disasters almost every morning if, if, if guys can't show up. 
but I tell you, we did a, uh, an amazing job. I give all the credit to our, our administration for one, just allowing our opportunity because not everybody had it. Second thing is once we were here, I thought our administration and then our doctors and our training staff really did a great job of laying it out for our guys on, if you're here, this is what it's gonna be. And um, then the credit goes to the players because if they're not gonna do it, as you've seen all around the, the, the country here and anything that's sports related, once you step out of, outside of your bubble, so to speak, or your protocol, that's when the problems are gonna, gonna arise. And we had no real issues at all all summer. I thought we had about as consistent of the summer as we could have possibly had. Our guys felt good. They were happy to be around one another. I thought they really were energized when they left. Like, you know, this is going to work. You know, if we could keep it going like this, this is going to be a good thing. But to your first question, uh, college student athletes in the most case are getting some of the best health care of their lives. Whether that's the orthopedic doctors, the general practitioner doctors, the dentists, the eyes, they always have the ability to get that type of care. And then, you know, from a training perspective and a doctor perspective, um, they're constantly being evaluated. They're constantly being talked to. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the monitoring and the bird dogging of where they're at on the off hours is probably a little bit tedious and maybe they get tired of hearing it, but uh, that's what it's going to take. And, uh, you know, I think in general, if you were to paint a big picture, how college athletes and athletics feel about this period of time, I definitely think most would be on the side of this is the most secure you're going to be. This is the best setup you're going to be. And if a problem arises, I have the, the most amount of care and people around me. So I definitely think that student athletes are in a safe environment when it comes to, you know, the amount of care they're going to get, the amount of attention they're going to get, and the, just the overwhelming uh, follow through on what you're doing, where you're at, and how this is, is working. And, um, you know, being able to sniff out problems earlier than, than maybe. But, you know, once college kids come on campus, it's fun time, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I'm leaving home, I'm going back to school. Um, everyone's probably ready to get back to like, you know, the normal uh, everyday activity. And that's gonna be the challenge. General population, so to speak, I guess is what everyone's saying. but. You know, I think just in talking to a lot of coaches and um, dealing with graduate students or transfers, you know, 75% of your stuff may be online right now. You know, and in some cases, I think a lot of schools and coaches have prepared to do a lot more than that if they can online just to protect. So um, I do think there's some things that are being put in place. It's not going to be a perfect world. And what I've learned is, you know, realistically, you have to go through some failures to correct them and move on. And then you're going to have to fail again, and then you're going to have to correct more and move on. And hopefully as the time keeps moving, testing gets better. Obviously, that was a big breakthrough this weekend, I think, with the FDA uh, passing the saliva testing. Uh, the NBA has shown the path that it does work. Um, and I do think that there's some real um, hot spots that when you deal with teams, these are your problems, whether it's dining, it's your locker rooms, or it's travel. Those are probably the hot areas that you're really going to have to, you know, be mindful of and address once things get going. But, uh, you know, without question, Aaron, it's not easy. Uh, but everybody wants to pull this off. It's not as if we don't. Um, clearly, your players' health and your staff's health, everyone is concerned because it is such a scary thing to be dealing with. But I do think that, um, you know, I do think that college basketball is in a good place. Um, I think that the leadership understands that we need to have a college basketball season. 
clearly we're going to have to think outside the box how we pull it off uh, to complete and wrap a bow on it. But um, I do think that what's going on in football, they're going to have to fail at it a little bit and then figure out how they get better. And basketball is going to be similar. But in terms of basketball, we have some time. And I think that if we're mindful of it and we know how important it is, that we'll be able to pull off a really good college basketball season. So uh, I, I listen to interviews and I talk to – everyone's got the plan on how we pull college basketball off this year. Uh, did, are you up at night, you know, uh, 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 searching, uh, you know, far off places that the Big Ten can – like every – it seems like every coach I talk to or listen to speak has, has their own bulletproof plan. And like I said, they're up at night on some weird message board finding some weird thing – what what is your like like I, I know I know in the back of your mind there are things that you think can maybe work and can't. If if Archie Miller was put in charge of pulling off this college basketball season, have you given any thought to what could and might not work? Yeah, you know I think we've we've talked a lot about it here, and then our conversations obviously they they uh, get together with your conference uh, coaches, your fellow coaches. We talk once a week in the Big Ten and. Um, you know, I think there's some of the best coaches in the country, if not the best league in the country, top to bottom. Um, you know, when, when you really encompass everything from campus life to the staffs on our, in our league to the to the universities in general. So I think we're, we're there's a lot of ideas. I, I just think in general, when you look at uh, constant travel, that's probably your biggest concern as you start a season. You know, whether you're coming and going or the teams that are playing, you are coming and going all over the place. And if you don't have, you know, everyone's not being tested the same way, how does all that work? So, you know, realistically, um, you focus in a little bit on what you can control. And for me and our staff, a Big Ten season seems like that's definitely possible. You know, not that non-conference basketball can't happen or bubbles can't be created um, or things like that. But if you just look at it, you know, you, you may have to partner up. You may have to partner up with the Purdue and Indiana and Michigan, Michigan State. And, you know, uh, Indiana and Purdue head to the Michigan schools. Um, they play each other in a three game in two days. And then we flip flop where, you know, maybe it's the Illinois and Northwesterns come to Indiana and Purdue and West Lafayette from a Thursday through a Sunday. And, and all four of those teams at the same time are all being placed in the same testing protocols. And, you know, hopefully now that the saliva test is coming that you know, on game day, you know, who's healthy and you can put everybody that's supposed to be there in there. And uh, realistically, if you look at it, you know, maybe it's a December start date of 26 round robin Big Ten games. Maybe it's a January start date of 20 Big Ten conference games. If there's no fans allowed, you know, do you really need a conference tournament? Can you just play it throughout and lead into the NCAA tournament? Um, there's a lot of different scenarios being set, you know, and I think, you know, the bubble concept clearly is on everybody's mind. You know, how, how can we duplicate the NBA's bubble concept? But, you know, for college athletics, classes and whatnot that's going on, that may be difficult. But if you look at that window around Thanksgiving, and really realistically take it into February, because I know some schools like ours are extending their breaks and starting them earlier. You may have an opportunity there for a good 12 weeks with nobody on anybody's campus or around that average. And, you know, realistically, to do a 20-game conference season, you really need around 10 weeks. So I'm not saying we play from Thanksgiving to February and then shut it down, but 
we have to really be honest, break away from the models. Like none of the models and none of your rational thinking really applies to being able to pull this off. So it may be his case. I've heard, you know, bubbles every two weeks. You know, get four or five teams, six teams in one spot and, and get a two-week window to kind of recover, see how it went. Um, but I, I do think it's possible. And um, I think that that window around the holidays is great. But, you know, things change. You know, that, that breakthrough with that saliva testing is big. You know, I think everyone needs to understand that, like, in talking to our doctors, seeing how the NBA has done it with the regular testing, it's cheaper and uh, it's constant that um, relatively bringing a safe team to the floor and being able to complete a game with two teams that are healthy at that time, you know, that, that, that changes the game. And, um, you know, I think that's why we're in a good spot. And as things continue to evolve, we'll do it. But uh, if you told me we had to play 26 Big Ten games starting in December and as a round robin, I mean, I mean, what a grind that would be. I mean, what a grind it would be. I mean, it really would be uh, impossible to think about playing everybody in the league twice for 26 games. But, I mean, that's a true indicator of a, of a, of a true season and a true champion. So, We'll see how it works. I mean, I know we're working hard on it. The Big Ten coaches uh, uh, talking every week um, have a lot of uh, the same concerns for their teams and their players. Um, and every school's a little different, too, and every state's a little different, too. So, you know, you're constantly trying to navigate this uh, world that uh, doesn't apply to everybody at the same time. So uh, we got to make it work, though. I know that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I've been advocating for six weeks now that that uh, we'll figure it all out. But we're going to have a huge window from mid-November, late November to February, early February to get this thing done. So knock on wood. I hope everybody, you know, people that are paid better than me can figure it out. Uh, all right. So I'm a positive vibes only guy. So we're going to talk about this upcoming season that will happen. Uh, and I know there's a lot of excitement about your team. I mean. Uh, you know, people like me do these preseason polls. I think highly of your group. Um, I know a lot of other people do as well. Uh, for people who don't remember, you were, I think, 19 and 12 is where you finished right on the fringe of an NCAA tournament berth. Uh, this group now, uh, how excited are you? Because there is a lot of excitement, a lot of returnees from last year, a really highly ranked recruiting class with a, a point guard named Christian Lander, who was basically one of the top high school players anywhere in America last year, reclassified. He is now on your campus. Give us a scoop. I mean, you excited? It feels like there's some real excitement about this team going into the fall. I am. You know, we finished the season, um, you know, last year playing good basketball. You know, we were playing in a very difficult league. Every team in our league that we were playing against, you know, it seemed like, you know, had an opportunity to be in the tournament. You know, we were playing against a deep league. And we got better at the end, and we had some guys really playing with some confidence. So I felt like when we entered the Big Ten tournament, we were ready. Got a win in the first game before they canceled it. But I think we could have had an opportunity to play in March um, and win games. You know, I think any team in the Big Ten that would have entered the NCAA tournament would have been battle-tested enough to be able to feel good about playing anybody. So we were we were heading in the right direction at the right time, and, and unfortunately it got cut. But you know, I think that that confidence level, that momentum, the positive feel within our locker room at the end of the season carried over. And uh, I love where our guys are at. Our newcomers have really brought a, a maturity about them. They're very mature guys. They fit in here uh, very well this summer. And our returners um, are not only more experienced right now, but they're hungry. They're motivated to, to play. 
And, uh, you know, we have a stud inside with Grace Jackson Davis. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the country. He's had a great offseason, really done a nice job here um, this summer of, of, you know, not only working on his game, but putting himself in a much more leadership role. And, uh, you know, we have some experience now that, that's played. We have senior guard and Al Durham. Uh, played his best ball of the year last year, the last 10. And Rob Finnessy in the last 10 games of the year played some really good ball for us. He's a junior. So he brings some experience now that has been, you know, sort of beat up early on. And they're coming through down their junior and senior years. So we have some experience. And uh, Joey Brunk, fifth-year senior, has an older guy. Uh, brought a lot of intangibles to our program last year. Now he's more comfortable as he's been here a year to continue to sort of lead and be that presence that uh, I think he had in the locker room. But we had a lot of guys do a lot of things. You know, we had Jerome Hunter, who missed his first year after a leg injury. He played last year, his first year of college basketball, and got better, shot over 40% from three at 6'8 um, at the end of the year. And, you know, as he comes into this year now, you're looking at a guy I think can really step in and be a little bit different than we've had. But I like our perimeter guys a lot better. You know, our incoming guys bring shooting and size, Galloway and Leal uh, and Geronimo, all big 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, um, you know, guard perimeter guys who can shoot it. And, um, you know, Christian was a late ad, but very talented, you know, very, very talented young point guard who's got a lot of gifts that I think he'll bring another, um, just really another guy who can really handle and play and make guys better for us. So we have a lot of, different things you know the emergence of a guy like race thompson you know again last 10 games of the season really was a starter for us and um of all of the guys through the pandemic of being away for 14 weeks and then coming back for eight more um has grown up immensely he's probably uh you know right now one of our best leaders he's changed his body and i think he has a chance to be one of the most improved players not only in our league but in the country in the way that he impacts our team so I like where we're at, and I do think that our guys have great purpose right now, and I think that they, um, you know, realistically can overachieve because it's a low-maintenance group. I mean, sometimes as a coach, the one thing you're excited about the most is knowing what you have, and part of what we have right now is a very low-maintenance group that's pretty together. Just in watching them through the eight weeks of the summer uh, have to deal with what they dealt with here on campus and stick together and do some things, it's a close group. It's a group that likes one another. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, they've been very low maintenance in what we've asked them to do and how they've handled their business. And to me, those are the teams that really have a chance to be good or the ones that don't beat themselves. So uh, I'm excited about this team. Um, I'm excited to get them back here and get going here with our fall plan. But uh, I like our group a lot. As best you can say, you, you just referenced fall plan. How much, uh, and I should know this because it's probably dictated by the NCA, but how much can you do going forward? And, I mean, is there kind of a plan since we really don't know when the season's going to start, what it's going to look like, all that stuff? That's been difficult because yeah, as every, I coach, can imagine. every coach knows, you know, when you start on that first day of school, uh, in some cases your routine has been ingrained in your players. It's been ingrained in your staff. This is what we do at this time of the year, and this is how we get started. With the flexibility now that the season could you know, realistically be pushed back months, uh, how do you plan your fall? How do you plan your off season? So we sat here the other day and uh, went through it and had four <laughs> calendars uh, work okay. at one time. Okay. One of which is obviously everything's normal. Let's just start normal and let's prepare what we would normally do. And then you just have some contingency plans. I think that if, if you start in December, if you start in January, 
Thanksgiving, whatever it is, then you kind of move your schedule. But the great thing is I do think that the NCAA is going to let us know within the middle of September on what the plan is. So you realistically have to get through three or four weeks here with us. Um, But we're going to prepare to start. Uh, We'll be on our normal NCAA guidelines in the fall, which is the eight hours. Uh, But then you have to deal with your university protocol. And some schools aren't going to have contact. Some schools aren't going to be allowed to do teamwork. Um, some schools are. You could just see that in the summer where teams were playing five-on-five and practicing, and certain teams will only allow one person and one coach in a gym at the same time. I think that's where you're going to get into a lot of differences until we find out when the first official practice is. But for us, I think we're going to be in a good place to have a normal fall where you know, hopefully our, our lifting and stuff that we do from a conditioning standpoint can stay in small groups. And I think from a basketball perspective, uh, we can regain and get back on the floor again with small group work, uh, whether that's partnered up with guards and bigs or we're still trying to figure out if we just, just have our roommates in the gym at the same time. So, oh. you know, there's a lot of things that go on because if you mix and match your team and a guy's in a different weight workout than a skill workout, but he lives <laughs> but he lives with this guy and all of a sudden you have an instance that comes to you that that a quarantine or there's a, there's an isolation that happens, you know, realistically your whole team could go away for a couple weeks. So I think that's the one unique thing about getting a chance to come back in the summer is really getting a chance to see like, wow, if a kid would come in and not feel well the next day and your coaches and your team had contact with him, that wipes out coaches and players. So, you know, do all your coaches show up at the same time in the office and do they all go to the floor together? Or do you have a group one and two that something happens in group one, you always have group two to help you navigate the week. Same thing with your trainer and your strength coach. If ever one of those two guys would go down, you know, what's the backup plan if you don't have a strength and conditioning coach for two weeks or a trainer for two weeks? So, that's been unique. And then I think the other thing is every program, for the most part, has managers. You know, they have helpers. Well, I don't know about you, Aaron, but, like, when I was in school, the managers had as good a time as anybody out there. That's what campus. I was just thinking right? when you said that, yeah. I mean, some guys, some guys are living in fraternity houses. Some guys are off campus with their buddies from high school. Uh, you don't pay a ton of attention uh, to the managers because they're usually with you working their butts off, and when you don't see them, they're sort of – they go 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 about their business, but yep. now you enter the managers into the into the fold. Between twelve, a dozen, a dozen more kids into the facility that um, you know are out and about. They don't live in the same dorm as your players. They don't live in the. They don't go to the same classes. So one of those guys, you know, necessarily could really impact your program if they come in um, and and don't feel well. So uh, just a lot of that stuff. Every morning you check your phone. You just make sure the texts that come in aren't, aren't ones that say uh, such and such doesn't feel well. Those, don't, those aren't good calls to get right now, but um, it's part of it, and you just kind of navigate it. There's going to be a lot of obstacles. But I feel like as we get ready to get started here, we're excited. I think we're planning on having a good call. Dumb question. Um, obviously, look, we understand the Big Ten at this point has made their decision on football, but outside of that, basketball coaches – are you guys looking at football and just saying, we hope whoever it is gets a game on the field? Because I would assume it would probably make you feel better. Like, okay, if whatever school figures it out with football, we'll, we'll probably be able to figure it out in basketball. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, it's fair to say. I think especially in the beginning of the summer, like um, if you would say that, you know, we can get fall sports off or we can get a football game to kick off, that's going to be a big deal in terms of the next phase of all the other sports on campus that they're going to take off. Um, I think as we've come to realize every sport's different, yep. um, I mean, whether it's, you know, hand-to-hand combat like, like football where it's head-on-head or face-on-face or or basketball where you're leaning up against each other could be a lot different than swimming, you know what I mean? So I don't think every sport should apply, in my opinion, I don't think every sport should apply to, hey, you can't pull off this, because I I do think there's some sports that can can play golf or, you know, even tennis or something that it's just, it seems like you should be able to do more of those. I think when it comes to basketball, though, there's the politics and there's the optics that come into it. If football is not safe to play, how's basketball going to be safe to play? And I just make the argument that one time is the utmost importance that you have to see how things develop through the next weeks and months and it gets better and better. You know, if you realistically look at college campuses and you get through a month and a half and your school's doing fine, um, you know, why can't you, you be fine in doing what you do in November or December? Um, and, um, you know, I do think that it, they do kick off football, which it seems like some schools are, are playing leagues and schools are planning on doing right now. It's probably a good sign that, um, you know, not everybody believes the same thing and you can get through it. But I do know this from a Big Ten basketball perspective, as I look at it, I know our coaches are completely united on giving us as much flexibility as we can to have a season. Um, and I think our athletic directors um, and everybody's on the same page. Um, knowing that there's no immediate announcements or anything like that that needs to be made because, you know, time, things change by the day and the week. And I think that as you get through a few, three, four weeks of school, a month of school, you'll figure more out about what's going on. But, yeah, I think, you know, the optics probably at times, if it's not safe to do one thing, why is it safe to do another? But I will say this, I think every sport's different. I think the way you travel is different. I think the way you eat's different. I think you know, in, real, in realization, some teams live together off campus, some teams live together, you know, on campus. There's a lot of variables that go into how you can pull it off. So I feel like basketball is its own entity. I feel like our sport's its own deal. And I feel like we'll be fine uh, to play with our leadership. And I think the NCAA tournament, it's not, it's not skinny around this deal. Right? That thing is really important to everyone. And that has, to, that has to find a way to come off this year. We can't go two years in a row with no NCAA tournament uh, based on the revenue that it generates for all of the other entities in the NCAA under their umbrella. So um, I think basketball is going to be all right. Now that football, you know, may be delayed here in our conference or the Pac-12 or whatever it may be, you know, we'll see how that all plays out, but I don't think it'll play a role in basketball's decision. A couple quick questions. I'll let you go. Uh, First one. So, I was doing some research on uh, Google this morning. So, no, well, no, 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 because, well, the backstory is you sent me your email address so I could send you an invite to do this Zoom. Right. And your first initial was not A, as I expected, you know, and so I went on Wikipedia, and your birth name is Ryan. And Wikipedia says that you were named, that you got the nick. I thought your first name was like Archibald or something like that. So <laughs> did you really get your name Archie Miller uh, via Archie Bunker? Is that true or is Wikipedia lying to me? No, Wikipedia is actually accurate on that one. That's the uh, real name is Ryan. And uh, at a very young age, 
Um, I was given the name Arch because uh, for whatever reason, they felt like I had the same temperament as Archie Bunker. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, that, that's where it came from. And I don't know if it was a positive or a negative. <laughs> but, uh, there's only a few people in the world that actually refer to me as Ryan. And um, when they do, um, I usually know it's, it's, um, it's a family Not good. member or what. It's okay. a family member or whatnot. But uh, Arch is stuck, and that's, that's, that's pretty much how I go by. So it was the... I don't see. I haven't seen enough of All in the Family. It's like my mom's favorite show too. I I should have <laughs> seen more episodes. So like, he seems grumpy, yeah. like angry. I don't really see. grumpy. Never happy. Uh, always, I don't see uh, that from you, man. Yeah, always right. sarcastic. Always sarcastic. Um, sarcastic. Okay. Yeah, ne never, uh, never very pleasant to be around. I think, although unfortunately, Come on they didn't now. give it to me. Unfortunately, I didn't get it when I was an adult. I got it when I was an adult. That was probably a lead-in to things to come. All right. So then, since you, since you just kind of referenced some uh, personality quirks, I got to ask. I've been waiting six months to ask this question. The situation with Joe Lenardi, I'm sorry. Just, for, yeah. just so we're clear, I, w I was on Team Arch on this one. So for people who don't remember, you could probably just YouTube it. But um, – you guys, I thought, were very comfortably in the NCAA tournament. For people who don't remember, you beat the ACC champ, Florida State. You beat the uh, Big Ten champ, Michigan State, Penn State, my alma mater, UConn, Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, there was a, a noted bracketologist who did not feel like you guys were on the right side of the bubble. And, you know, you got a little frustrated in that moment. And I just, you know, I, I was just kind of curious. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, I got to ask. <laughs> Well, I think they caught me at the at the wrong time. Uh, we had just come off a really tough game against Wisconsin at home, and uh, I think when you when the question presents itself at that time of year as a coach, you know you're you're so focused in on your team and trying to block out all the noise, and you know the noise at that time of year, as you know, are the talking heads and everything. And uh, bracketology is something that's fun for everybody to sort of follow and and get into, but when it came to Indiana or me, and you wanted to talk to me about our team and our tournament resume, knowing the schedule that we played and the strength of our, our record, uh, to me, we were in the tournaments. I didn't want to deal with it, but uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, Sesame Street comment caught fire, I guess. I didn't it realize did. it was going to catch fire, and uh, some guys got really sensitive and defended uh, you know, Joe, Joe Lenardi, who's a terrific guy who I got to know well when I was in the Atlantic 10, he does the St. Joe's radio games and whatnot. He's very That's good at his job. And uh, I think Joe knows I probably didn't, probably didn't mean directly to attack him. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it was fun though. I think everybody got a kick out of Sesame Street and everybody got a, you know, everybody got a kick out of watching the Cartoon Network is what it is. And, but it's all for fun. You know, it's all for fans and bracketology yeah. and all that. But I will say this. Every coach that's been in this game for a long time knows that it's a stressful deal, you know, yeah. and especially yeah. at the end of the season as you come through March. You know, you can, you can, you can be bothered by, you know, the talking uh, people about your team and, and your resume and this and that. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I still haven't had a chance to apologize to Joe for I don't know him personally. If if you want to put it out there, I mean, I'll be happy to to deliver the message if you feel an apology is necessary. I, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm here to help. I don't know if an, I don't know if an apology is necessary because I really didn't attack 
joke, but no. maybe, I, maybe I did, but I don't know. But let's, yeah. let's put it out there and let's put it to bed that, you know, you know, I'm bigger than that. And there's a lot going on in the real world right now. And sure. uh, let's apologize to Joe Lenardi today together. Okay. Joe Lenardi, I'm, you know what? I'm sure I said something mean. I'm sure I disagreed at some point with something he said. So, Joe, I apologize as well. I'm sorry. I don't know exactly about what, but I apologize. Okay, last question for real. I know you got to run. I told I, I got to ask. This is a, a biased, selfish, personal question. As you just said, big issues in the world right now. We're just trying to get a game on the court. But you, like myself, grew up watching hoops. You love hoops. Um, any chance at any point in the future, not this year, we're just trying to get games, period. Do you see any scenario where Indiana plays Kentucky again? And I'll just preface, you guys have a loaded schedule, 20 Big Ten games, ACC Big Ten Challenge. They do their thing, Champions Classic. It's not as though either side is lacking for marquee opponents, but both fan bases, you know, you guys are right on the border. I've literally crossed that bridge myself. Um, any chance you think in the future that, that the two could – play you know outside of obviously an NCAA tournament or whatever in a regular season setting I do I do um I think you know um number one um it's a great game and it's going to generate uh great um fanfare it's going to generate um great um you know camaraderie with the schools and whatnot the television um and in general if you go back you you look at a split RCA dome with half blue yes. and, and half red. And, and those are some of the games that I think people grew up, you know, just watching. And uh, Coach Cal is the best of the best. And um, you see what he's doing out there with the McClendon Initiative. You see what, what he's able to do for people in general. And he helps a lot of people. He doesn't get as much credit as he probably can. Um, and I think that he has his own – uh, probably dynamic scheduling as Indiana does as well. Uh, but it's something I think in the future that can happen. And I think it'll happen when um, it makes sense uh, for both schools and both schedules. And you know what, maybe college basketball in general, uh, maybe getting through this pandemic, maybe being able to raise awareness um, for civil unrest or whatever it may be. Maybe conducting Indiana can be a part of something even bigger than just the two schools in the game. Maybe maybe it can be even bigger than that. But I think it can happen. Um, I think that a lot of people want it to happen. Um, conversations uh, fly, I think, fly through both offices at times. Okay. Uh, Cal and myself have never spoken directly about it. Um, I think we've had intermediaries, especially our administrations, continue to kind of bump around and talk about it. But um, you know, I think in the future here, it's something that if it is pulled off, I think it would be really good and it'll be done for the right reasons, uh, which is for both places um, to really look good at the end of the day for a good cause or maybe even just in general, it's good for college basketball. But we'll see. I mean, obviously this year, uh, it's not going to happen this year. Um, I think as we move into of the course. future, as we break through some of these uh, you know, non-conference contracts and some of these events and things that uh, you know, kind of come and go, uh, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for us to, to be able to do this thing again. And, uh, you know, I don't know where it starts. I don't know where it finishes, but um, I, I do know that it will happen when it's right. And uh, like I said, um, you know, I do think that uh, Cal's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business when it comes to the opportunity to create um, positive, a positive feel for everyone that's involved. 
Sounds like uh, you said intermediaries from both sides. It sounds like middle school, people passing notes. You like me, I like you. Let Check, check, yes, check, no. So right. we will get there eventually. Uh, Archie Miller, head coach of Indiana. This was really fun. I know you're busy. Man, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'm out of questions. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate you taking some time this morning and what's a busy week with kids coming back to campus. No, anytime, Aaron, and uh, keep up the positive vibes. I mean, I think your energy speaks volumes out there. And uh, I know this much as just from players' standpoints and whatnot, we need more guys out there that are, that are pumping the positives. You know, so much Thank about you. what's going on in everybody's world right now isn't the most pleasant. There are some really good things, obviously, that happen and can happen. And um, as they do, you know, guys like yourself that, that bring the, the positive stuff to the, to the forefront, you know, it's important that everyone realize there's still a lot of good things that, that are going on and can happen. Well, for the people who watched on Zoom, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now, so it really doesn't get more positive than that. Uh, Archie Miller, head coach, Indiana, looking forward to seeing you on the court soon. And I will see you on the court soon. Thank you for the time, and we'll do this again soon, Coach. All right, appreciate it, man. Look forward to it. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.